School Basics. That's the, the title of my sermon this morning. And, um, you know, if, if you've spent any time with me, you know school's not my favorite. Um, I, when um, I first decided to homeschool my children, I thought, not a good idea, because every day would be a snow day. Um, and even if it wasn't snowing, uh, I, so I, I feel the weight the kids are feeling. <laughs> it's back to school. We know what summer to end. Um, but it's good. It brings back a schedule into our life. It brings back some rhythms that we kind of get out of during the summer. And um, so getting our kids back to going to bed at a good time and getting up early and, and having a routine. And so that's always a good thing. So a new school year is always exciting for a few days and then homework hits. And, um, but so I just thought as I was, I was planning for this sermon, I thought, first I thought I would share with you some of the things I always tell my kids when they go back to school. But then as I was studying, it kind of evolved into something a little different, that we would come back to the basics, um, not of school, but of, of God and, and what he is calling us to and what his word says. And so um, it's really simple this morning. The two basic things that I think we need to come back to is to know God and to know our mission. And um, I think if we, if we can come to a place where we understand those two things and, and are moving forward in those things in our life on a daily basis, um, I think the supernatural will flow out of us um, with, without any kind of effort because God will be just flowing through us. So, um, so the first thing I want to ask you this morning is as um, I want you to think about that moment when you, right before you come to God in prayer, um, when you think about who you're praying to, when you close your eyes, or when you're standing here in worship, what, do you, what are you worshiping? What do you see God? Who does he look like? Is he like, um, you know, I think when I was a kid, I pictured God as like this really old wizard looking guy in a long white robe with like this really long white beard sitting in like this really high throne with this, what is that, a scepter? Yeah, like kind of like had this vision of God. He didn't have a pointed hat, so not like that, but just this, you know, kind of, you know, maybe you think of God as, oh, I did it. I stuck my back too far. Sorry, guys. Um, they told me not to wander backwards because I do that, so sorry. <laughs> um, so maybe he looks like you're, maybe one of your parents did, or um, maybe um, he is kind of like judge and jury to you. Uh, maybe he's got a grandpa feel. What, what, what do you, just think about what is that, um, image that you have of God. Um, and, and here's the reality. Um, none of us, all of our image of God is, is um, defective. We'll never really be able to know and understand God fully until we see him face to face, until we are in his presence. And so in heaven or uh, because we've passed on or because of the rapture. And so um, once we are with him, then we will fully understand that. So um, it's a, our, our, who God is in our life is an ongoing process. And that's our memory verse today um, is 2 Corinthians 3.18. And Doug is going to lead this and read this with you. You turn my mic on. There, there you, go. you go. So if you can read this with me. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So this verse is, is telling us that it's from glory to glory. As we 
are, are, are learning who God is and experiencing God and knowing God, then we're being transformed from the inside out. So it's a process from glory to glory. So who I know God is today is going to be different than know who I know God is, is in a couple of years or who I knew God was five years ago. Because I'm continually in this process of beholding him as in a mirror, so looking to him and then having that transform me from the inside out, uh, knowing the one true God. We live in a world that there really isn't one God. There's a, there's a lot of gods. Um, and so we want to know who the one true God is. Um, the second basic thing that we need to know is our mission. And um, I watched a sermon by a pastor named Chip Ingram. He's also the author of the book called The Real God. Um, in his kind of his own description, that book kind of brings it down. He says it's a, um, it kind of dumbs it down who God is so that we can understand who God is in, in our mind. Um, it's a really good book if you want to really begin to kind of read more about God and who he is. Um, but he, he proposes that um, our mission, in order to know what our mission is, and, and we talk about this a lot, know who you are, know what you're called to, know what God's calling you to, know, know yourself, know what God has said. And so all of those, and that, that's good, and we need to know those things. But he kind of says if, if we want to really know what our mission is, all we have to do is look at Jesus and what was his mission. And he proposes that, that Jesus had a fourfold mission. And I thought this was powerful, and I want to share it with you because I think it's kind of the basics of who we are as believers and what we're called to do, what our, what our life should be all about. So the first thing that Jesus' mission um, is that he came to explain God. So we find in John chapter 1, the verse says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. The Word was with God, right? So, and, and so God was in the beginning, and then you kind of scroll down. If you're in John, you look at verse 14, tells us that the Word became flesh, Jesus. So we have the Word who is God becoming flesh, and then we go down, just jump down to verse 18, and it tells us then Jesus, the one who came, reveals God or explains God. So if you've seen Jesus, I think is what 18 says, then you've seen the Father. So Jesus came to explain God. So that's our first mission, our first purpose as believers, is that we get to explain God. And just as I was saying, as we live in a world where some people don't have any God, some have false gods, we get to explain the one true God. What does he look like? Who is he? How does he change our lives? How does the one true God transform us? And how can he transform you? The second thing that we get to do is we get to bring the kingdom of God. Now, we hear that a lot. We talk about the kingdom of God, bringing the kingdom. So I've asked Luke, or uh, Doug is going to read in Luke chapter 4, and this is where God, uh, Jesus is reading and, and basically letting them know he's, he's bringing the kingdom. So this, this is Luke 4, 14 through 21. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit of, to Galilee, and news of him went throughout all of the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, 
where he had been brought up, and he, as his custom was, he went to the synagogues on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim, proclaim liberty to the captives and recover the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say, saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Amen. So Jesus came to bring heaven to earth. That's the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven. We get to bring that to earth. So what does that look like? Um, that's probably where I get my image of of God sitting on this big throne is like when you talk about the kingdom, you think of a king um, who has reign, right? You think of a king and I think of knights and guards and horses and swords and castles and princesses, right? That's a kingdom. But the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom that we get to bring on to earth. And, you know, I, I think about if you have kids or, or grandkids or you've been around or you were a kid, because I think about when I was growing up, there were, I have a younger sister, and there were times where we shared a room, and we had bunk beds, and we'd, well, I would, stick those bunk beds right in the middle of the room. That's your side, and this is my side. That's your kingdom. You do what you want over there. This is my kingdom. There are rules that we follow on my side. You can do whatever you want over there, but this is my kingdom. Um, you know, you stick two kids in the back seat and you say, this is your side and that's your side. Stay, keep your hands to yourself, right? So we get, God says what happens in his kingdom. He gets, it's his kingdom, but now we get to bring his kingdom here. So we get to explain God and we get to bring the kingdom. Each of you, when you get up in the morning, you get to bring the kingdom and explain God to those that you live, that are living in your home, to your children, to your spouse. If you have a roommate, you get to bring the kingdom. See, our lives should reflect the kingdom principles, the kingdom way of life, so that when people are around us and they begin to put things together, they say, oh, that's what God looks like. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. And here's what it is. In a world that says, it's all about me, it's all about me, the kingdom of God says, how can I serve you? What can I give you? In a, in a, in a world that says, we're going we're gonna to grab all we can and hold it to ourselves." it's a kingdom, God's kingdom is one of generosity, to give it away. Say, what can I do to bless others? In a world that is so prideful, we get to bring the kingdom of God and live in humility. We get to offer grace. We get to live with lack of fear. In a world that, oh, you just had to turn the news on this morning, and you're reminded that every day we leave our home, tragedy can strike anywhere at any time. And, and the enemy would want us to be fearful. And it, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for myself. I, I, I feel it rise up in me sometime. Like, I'm just going to 
put a gate at the end of my driveway and we're just not leaving. We're just, because that fear wants to rise up in me. But I, I bring the kingdom of God into my life and into my home and I'm not gonna live in fear. I'm gonna walk in faith, trusting God. And so then we get to share that with those in our home, that kingdom, those kingdom principles of grace, of peace, of hope. And then we get to leave our homes and we get to share that in our community and our jobs. I think about, can I have that water? I think about, um, you know, I can sit here on a Sunday morning and not talk and never need a drink of water. Thanks. I remember um, a situation several years ago. I was at um, Walmart. It was a couple days after Christmas. And of course, thank you. I was um, doing after Christmas shopping, getting some of those 75% off deals. And I'm standing at the register. Um, I don't even know who I was with. Obviously, I was with somebody because I wouldn't be there by myself. But um, so I... um, there's, there, there was someone in front of me and they had some things and they were being very snippy to the cashier and she was equally being snippy back. You could tell she didn't want to be there. Um, she was kind of, you know, processing things quickly and harshly and they were, you know, kind of snipping at each other and I was like, whew. <laughs> so I was next in line and she began to scan my 75% off wrapping paper and it rang up full price and I was like, um that's actually, you know, on clearance. And so she got a little huffy with me. And so she went and got her manager and they fixed it. And so then I just said, thank you for being here today. Thank you for being at work today and, and being my cashier and helping me to get these great bargains. So I don't have to pay full price for wrapping paper. Thank you. And she just stopped and and she just stood there for a minute. And then she said, you're welcome. And then we began to chat, and I can't remember what we were talking about, but she just began to talk to me about her Christmas, and we were just scanning things, and I paid my money, and I left. In that moment, I brought the kingdom of God into that moment. So we have an opportunity. Every time you go to the cash register, you have the opportunity to bring the kingdom. When you're in your office and and gossip is happening and, and belittling of other people around you is happening. You can bring the kingdom. You can, you can say, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear it. Um, you, can, you can reach out and love your neighbors and to share um, with them the kingdom of God. It's simple. It's how we live. See, we get, it's so easy for us to live in a world all around us and begin to look like that world. We just kind of blend in. We start to blend in. And, and what becomes okay for the world, because it becomes the norm around us, we kind of feel like, okay, well, it's pretty acceptable. But it's not, it doesn't line up with the kingdom of God. It doesn't line up with what the principles of heaven are. And so we, we actually should look a lot different We should look a lot different than our world. We should be reflecting and explaining God and bringing the kingdom. Now, I'm not saying that we have to look, well, you know, we are a peculiar people, so maybe we will look a little odd to some people, right? (laughs) Maybe, right? right? Um, I don't mean to get all weird about it, but we, we might be a little peculiar, like, man, why do you come in here every day so happy? Like, 
like, what is your deal? <laughs> right? I, I have the joy of the Lord. Um, you know, what, what is it? Uh, and even I, I was thinking, um, I have a friend who recently got a call in the middle of the night. And um, there was an emergency in the family. And so she was asked to come and watch the, the baby while the, the parents had to rush off to the emergency room. And so she got up in the middle of the night and she went there and took care of this baby and did everything that they needed to and then went home. And so this couple's in-laws were in town and are not believers and couldn't stop talking about how this friend drove from another town in the middle of the night at a moment's notice <clears throat> and was happy about it. Like she couldn't understand that. And so this couple who are believers got to tell, the, the woman got to tell her mother-in-law, that's, that's because she's a Christian. That's, that's what we do. We, 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 we give of ourselves and of our life to one another. That's the, she, she was just doing what she does. It just comes naturally. And so that's what bringing the kingdom is all about and explaining God. The third thing that we get to do, the third mission that Jesus had, was to make disciples. Now, <clears throat> you might think, well, I'm not a pastor or a leader. You don't get out of this. This is you. This is everyone, all of us. We get to make disciples. Jesus said in Mark, Matthew, Matthew he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, or follow me and I will teach you how to fish for men, depending on which version you read, right? We've all heard that. If you've been in church when you were a kid, we, um, there's a song. <laughs> I will make you fishers, right? And then you have to act like you're fishing and reeling in the men and all that, right? <clears throat> so, so Jesus came to make disciples. He immediately began his ministry by bringing disciples on board, by saying, come with me and I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. And then the Great Commission in um, Matthew 28, he says, go into all the world, go out into all the nations and preach the gospel. The Great Commission, teaching and preaching who Jesus is. So we all are called to make disciples. I think it's important, and this is a value that I have in my life, that that I'm always discipling people, that I always want people in my life that I'm pouring into. Um, and, I, and this is how it works in my life. Um, so the easiest example I can give you is when it comes to raising children. So I have a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old. From the time my children were born until now, I, I find people in my life who have kids who are older than my children, and I say, I want my kids to be like that. So then I'm like, so... How did you deal with that at 16 so that they could be like that at 25? Um, so when they were babies and, 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 and trying to get them to sleep all night and dealing with toddlers, I found someone who had, they had kids who were older and who um, were nice and respectful and, and seemed to have things that I, values and traits that I wanted my children to have. And so I, I had people that, that mentored and discipled me in parenting. And so now I love to share my experiences with younger moms and dads and say, when my kids were two, this is what I did. That's how I handled this situation. Um, here's what I did. And sometimes I'm like, Whew, I have no idea. Um, you got to find a different mentor, <laughs> a different person to disable you. No. Um, <clears throat> but I like, so I like to share how I raise my children, um, what I did in those situations. And so find somebody in your life that you can be being discipled by. So somebody that you're like, you know, when, 
When I, it doesn't necessarily have to be someone older than you, just somebody that you see like they, they've got some things of God in their life and you're like, I want, I want more of what you have. Can I hang out with you a little bit? Go after it. Don't wait for someone to come and say, let me disciple you. You go, go after it. But then also be discipling. Be with others who need you to help them come along in their faith and grow their faith. That's us, the church, um, being a family and coming together so that we can know God. So be making disciples. So we get to explain God, we get to bring the kingdom, and we get to make disciples. Those were, those were three of the, um, the, the, the three of the fourfold mission that Jesus has. The fourth one is um, surrender. Now, <clears throat> this is the one that we don't we just want to leave this one up to Jesus. We don't want to, this one's the harder, harder of the four, probably, maybe. Um, and I think this might be the most powerful of the four because I think this can be the most transforming and life-changing for you is surrender. Um, Matthew? Mark. Yeah, will you read that verse for me? Yes, Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to give his life. He surrendered it all. That was, that was part of his mission, was to give it all for, for each of us, for me and for you. Uh, you know, as I, we were singing the song Reckless Love, um, you know, you think about <clears throat> that word reckless, and some might think, God's not reckless. Like, he's not out of control. But think about a dad who's standing on the front lawn and sees his four-year-old stepping out into the street in front of an oncoming vehicle. Do you think that his journey from that front yard to his child might be a little bit reckless? Like, he might jump over some bushes, knock down some other people in the process, to get to that kid before he gets hit by that car. That might be a little reckless. And that's how I picture that reckless love of God, so that he would, like, th there's nothing that can keep us from him getting to us, right? He, he's going he's gonna to get to us. He's, he's coming for us. He wants us. He's, he's, he's looking for us. He, he's drawing us to him. And so Jesus came and to surrender. And then in the next verse, John. John, read that for me, please. Sure, John 12, 24. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But if its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of many new lives. Yeah, so that grain of wheat or that, kernel of wheat has to die to produce more. And so we have to die. We have to surrender so that we can produce more. Um, <clears throat> so I have a life mission statement that, um, that I wrote some years ago. And um, I, don't, I don't really share it until you know me really well because it could sound, but I'm going to explain it a little bit. I'm going to share it with you. And then now this is recorded and everybody will get to hear it. So hopefully... People can understand this, but my life mission for me, for my life, for who I feel God has called and equipped me to be 
is let's get over it so we can get on with it. So <clears throat> sounds a little like, sounds like it could be a little cold hearted. And I tend to do be, I am black and white. So I'm just like, let's just get over it and let's get on with it. So the getting over it, I think is that surrender. And so sometimes that surrender is, we have to surrender our hurts. We have to surrender the difficulties, the tragedies, the things that have, that have brought harm to us. We have to surrender those things. We have to get past that. Maybe you were raised in a dysfunctional home and, or maybe um, you know, you, you've had a bad marriage that you are healing from. I, I don't know. But we have to surrender those things to the Lord because we've got to let him heal us so that we can get on with it. The on with it part is this mission who he's called us to be, what he's called us to, explaining God, bringing the kingdom, um, making disciples. But in order to get to all of that, we have to surrender. I also think the letting, let's get over it, is also getting over ourselves, getting over our insecurities. Um, you know, we let insecurity hold us back. We're, we're afraid of being rejected, so we won't talk about Jesus in front of other people that we're not sure if they know Jesus or they like, well, I don't know how they're going to take it. Is it politically correct? Who cares? <laughs> I mean, really, Amen. who cares? Right. Who cares? What if we got over it, our insecurity, and just once we accidentally slipped out that Jesus can bring peace and hope to someone's life and it changes them and transforms them? What if we laid out our own plans and dreams and desires and we said, <clears throat> God, I'm going to seek first your kingdom and what you have for me, not what I'm planned out for myself, because what he has for you is far greater and can exceed anything that you could hope or imagine. Here's the thing. Whenever I'm asked to do something, um, if I'm ever asked, uh, like I like even just coming and being a part of this church and when we were in the Arca ministry and whenever we're asked to do something in ministry and I'm like, whew, yeah, I don't think we can do that. I immediately know, okay, God, that's God calling us to that because it's not by my power, but it's by his spirit that I can do those things. So sometimes like getting over it is our dreams. It's our own stuff. And, and like Doug was telling us in prayer before service today, sometimes we just have to be quiet and listen and let him speak to us. <clears throat> Here's an interesting statistic that Barna, which is a, a group that does surveys of Christians and evangelicals and non-believers because they want to see, they want to get this feel of where we are. And so they, they, they do this all over the country and all over the world. And <clears throat> a couple years ago, they did one and they, they um, surveyed evangelical pastors, not just believers, but pastors, leaders in the church, pastors, <clears throat> and only, only 21% of them admitted to ever opening their Bible for more than sermon preparation. <clears throat> what do you think, if we took a survey of this room, if that statistic, what that would look like for us? What if <clears throat> we surrender and we come back to this one thing, that we would know God. Not so that we can preach him, not so that we can 
um, sound really good when we talk about theological stuff, but so that we could know God. Because then what would happen is there would be a transformation inside of us that when we showed up, it wouldn't just be us showing up, but it would be something inside of us that showed up that makes a difference. And that it wouldn't be about, really, honestly, when, when, when we come back to that one thing and know God, it isn't even about me anymore. It's about him and who he is. Pastor Luke is going to come, and he is going to lead us now in a time of communion. And I want to challenge you as we partake of these elements, and we reflect and remember the price that Jesus paid for our healing and for our salvation, that we would, that we would say and make a commitment today, God, I want to come back to that one thing. I want to know you. I want to know you. Amen.